I didn't set out to be a homeschool mom. I didn't even set out to be a stay-at-home mom. Don't get me wrong. I love my kids. I love our family, and I love that we homeschool. I just didn't see it coming. I met Jeff in the first class of the first day of our first semester at Hardin-Simmons University. We were both music majors, and 22 years later, we can't imagine life any other way than together. But let me tell you, standing here today and looking back, we're often amazed we made it this far. Within 18 months from that first meeting, we had dated, gotten engaged, married, and had our first son, Jonathan, all while still going to college full-time. In fact, I took 17 hours the semester I had him. I went into labor just before Jeff played a concert that night. Yeah, he played the concert and then hightailed it out of there to get back home so we could go have our first baby. I laid out three days and went back to take my algebra final just so I could enjoy this new little guy without any academics hanging over my head during the Christmas break. My mom worked out of our home and watched Jonathan during the weeks of the following spring semester so that we could continue school while transitioning into parenthood at the same time. We finally got our bearings and settled into a new normal of raising a toddler in college. In four and a half years from beginning to end, I graduated with my bachelor's degree, and we were expecting our second son to arrive just a few months later. Before I knew it, I was a stay-at-home mom of two boys, and it was time to start thinking about school for them. I'm Julie Moore, and I've been homeschooling our four kids, two sons and two daughters, for 17 years now. We've successfully launched our firstborn, a millennial who is not strapped with overwhelming student loan debt and has not moved back in with us. Really, it is possible. This has been a journey, and our story isn't completely finished. Lord willing, we have at least six more years of homeschooling in our future. And as I realized that the younger homeschool moms who seek me out for ideas and encouragement could one day include my daughters or daughters-in-law, I decided to take what I've learned along the way and start my second business venture, a podcast series that gives an honest look at the highs and the lows, the opportunities and the challenges, the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly of the homeschool life. I have a confession. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it. I'm rewriting episode one. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's Joshua. He's my second born, and he's been learning to write and produce stories through film. He's 17, done with high school, and about to start an apprenticeship in the film industry. He's the one who first suggested a documentary-style podcast. If you already know that this is definitely not good enough, yeah, then there's no point in sending it out yeah. to see what other people think, just to verify that you are in fact <laughs> Yeah, right it's here. really that bad. <laughs> right. So if it's like, okay, I know this isn't perfect yet, then probably go ahead and send it out. But if it's, this is 
I need to I need to go back and change the foundation. Yeah. Or just really restructure some things. Well, good. So if you are listening to this episode, it means I have successfully produced the first season of Beyond Curriculum. I've been recording conversations with other homeschool moms, the challenges we face, and sometimes tense conversations with friends and family. Season one will be 10 episodes or so, airing roughly every other week that I'm currently in the middle of writing. I have no idea where this will go. What I do know, when a mom steps across the line and becomes a homeschooler, it changes everything. Her relationship with her husband, her kids, her family, her friends, and even herself. And often in the panic of choosing the right curriculum and making the perfect lesson plans, she misses the fact that her world is about to start shaking from all of these changes. My plan is to produce future episodes and seasons that will be a help and encouragement to current, potential, soon-to-be, and even veteran homeschool families out there. I have a lot of anxiety, as evidenced by my conversation with Joshua. I've never worked in radio. I don't have a degree in journalism or even literature. I don't even know if I'll be able to attract listeners, but I have to try. It can't hurt to try. Funny, that's pretty much what we said when we decided to homeschool. Our first brush with homeschoolers left something to be desired. Over time, we came to discover that there are many reasons families choose to homeschool and their reasons, their why, as it's known in the business world, greatly shapes the results. These first families I met were like today's homeschool stereotype, socially awkward, uninterested in teaming with others, and the parents are unable to see anything negative about their kids. But then we met Darcy a fellow musician at Hardin-Simmons who was bright and bubbly and didn't give normal limitations much power over her ability to seize unique opportunities, like taking our sophomore year off to tour China with a contemporary ballet company. So much of who Darcy was could be traced back to being homeschooled, and once we understood that, it caused us to rethink our normal assumptions about the plan to send Jonathan off to school. Though homeschooling is growing in popularity, I admit I've made an assumption that all of my listeners will be familiar with this term. So, if you don't know what I mean by homeschoolers, here's what I'm talking about. According to the U.S. Department of Education, 1.5 million kids are taught by mom and dad. That's up 74% since 1999. A lingering misconception is that the main reason most parents decide to homeschool is for religious reasons. That's not quite true anymore. 36% of parents do homeschool primarily to teach their kids religious and moral values. But 38% homeschool because they don't like the school environment or the way teachers teach. And we're one of those families who decided to step outside the norm. For you younger parents, this may not seem like such a terrifying decision. But bear with me as I take you back in time. Remember, this was almost 20 years ago. It was mid to late 90s, and homeschooling was just beginning to creep out of the shadows. Jeff and I went to school mostly in the 80s, and I didn't even know homeschooling was a thing until I got to college in 94. 
At that time, when someone first heard about homeschooling, it was pretty normal for the next thing out of their mouth to be, is that legal? Since then, I've met a handful of adults my age who actually were those mythical homeschool creatures, and they all share stories of not being able to be seen in public during school hours for fear of being reported to the local truancy officer. Sure, things had come a long way by the time we were considering homeschooling, but we could still count on one hand all the families we knew who had even attempted this approach. Still, we were nervous-sighted, as my 12-year-old likes to say, nervous and excited all at the same time. So I managed to secure a generous invitation by a veteran homeschooling mom of four kids to come observe how she does this crazy thing right there in her own home without an education degree or teaching certificate. I learned about HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and THSC, the Texas Homeschool Coalition. I familiarized myself with the homeschool laws of our state. I borrowed a homeschool catalog from another mom, selected some preschool workbooks, joined a homeschool support group, and I was off and running. Jeff and I were pretty smart people. How hard could this really be? By kindergarten, I branched out to choosing a math curriculum, a reading program, and a writing workbook. By first grade, I had discovered a whole company that produced this amazing series of beautiful workbooks that echoed romantic sentiments of early Americana through every academic subject. Yeah, I was getting the hang of this. I was starting to actually believe the visions of cherub-like offspring sitting at my feet and piled up in my lap as I read aloud to them, and they soaked it all up, becoming more brilliant and insightful by the minute. And then it happened. Jonathan had had enough. As a five-year-old little boy, he didn't want to spend any more time sitting still at the dining room table, poring diligently over beautiful workbook after beautiful workbook. I didn't realize at the time that this was pushback. I thought it was discipline problems, rebellion, power struggles, laziness, a refusal to apply his bright little mind to the learning at hand. During this time, our young family moved from Abilene to Fort Worth. Jeff had finished his bachelor's degree and was starting his master's work at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. It wasn't long before we met homeschool families in the DFW area. In fact, we ended up going to a church where there may have been more homeschoolers than any other education method at that point. We participated in our first homeschool co-op once a week we enrolled Jonathan in a homeschool PE class and then signed him up for a homeschool soccer team. All of these things helped ease some of the challenges we had started facing. But the power struggles and arguments over academics continued until one day, standing in the kitchen of our little student apartment, Jeff opened my eyes to the wall I was continually running into. Like, I, I distinctly remember you telling me, Julie, you've got to get out of the box. What was the box? Probably the way other people say it ought to be done. Like, we know what we're aiming for. So let intuition mm -hmm. drive you forward 
so I was totally fine blending, like, take the good ideas in this one, the good ideas in that one, and figure out how to make our own thing, which I think is kind of where we're at now. Mm -hmm. um, I think I also picked up on the, <clears throat> when we were in Abilene, I remember us saying, we're, we're not doing this out of fear. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe what I was picking up on was some element of fear. And I'm pretty sensitive to that. For myself included. It's like, oh, I'm operating out of fear. You have to stop that. Jeff went on to remind me that while I was completing my music performance degree, he was working on a music education degree. And through his education classes, as well as some key experiences, he came to see that the box, the American education system, was a big part of the problem. I thought there was safety in the box, but he had already seen inside the box, and the box was broken. So, I went back to the drawing board, and I began looking for curriculum that would provide the structure and safety I thought I needed, with freedom and experiential learning Jonathan was craving. A couple of families at our church had had some success with unit study style curriculum, and that was great for a couple of years, until Jenica was born, and then Joshua started school with a completely different learning style. He wanted to verbally process his learning experiences, and I quickly discovered that if I shut that down, I stopped the learning altogether. I had no idea I was raising a future storyteller back then. Can you imagine how differently he would have turned out if I had insisted on squeezing him into that safe, traditional box? I would like to tell you that I took all of these changes and learnings gracefully in stride, but I can't. A friend of mine describes this transition from two to three kids in basketball terms. With your firstborn, you can double-team them. With your second, you have to go man-to-man. But when that third one comes into the family, you have to fall back into zone defense. Another way to put it, I felt like I was riding a wobbly bicycle for months trying to adjust to caring for three kidlets and homeschooling. Some important lessons started to take shape during that challenging time period. First, no two kids are alike. What works for one is not guaranteed to work for another, so... No cookie-cutter school plan is going to work for all of our kids. Secondly, every curriculum will require either more time or more money. At this point, it felt like we had neither, and we had to have one. Third, my kids seemed to be completely unconvinced of the need to keep pace with the all-knowing scope and sequence. You know those lovely books at your favorite teacher supply store that have titles like everything your third grader needs to know. Well, when we reached a particular grade level in which it was time to learn about the solar system, they couldn't remember the order of the planets. Or when it was time to multiply, they were still struggling with addition. Or when they were supposed to be capable of composing sentences that would impress Shakespeare himself. All I could get out of them was something that was more likely to make him roll over in his grave. It's not that my kids were unintelligent. 
To the contrary, every one of them is quite astute and creative, just not in every subject equally and at the same level. And as a new homeschooling mom, I thought this was a bad reflection on me, or worse yet, a sign that we weren't going to make it very far into this adventure. After all, if writing a well-crafted sentence was like pulling teeth, how would we ever manage research papers in high school? And if I couldn't cram the multiplication tables into those little minds, how would we ever tackle calculus? And don't even get me started on chemistry. I was definitely going to need some help from somewhere if we were all going to make it through this little adventure in one piece. And that's when a friend invited me to attend my first homeschool conference. Multiple days of speakers and breakout sessions and workshops, an exhibition floor packed with homeschool vendors that seemed to go for miles and miles. Yes, surely I can find the perfect curriculum and lesson plans that would solve all of my problems and get us back on track. I did find help there, but not in the way I expected. It just so happened that the very first speaker I heard on the very first day of the conference was a man who started his talk with a history lesson, the history of the education system we know today. He connected the dots for us something like this. During the Industrial Revolution, factories began mass producing all of the goods and wares Americans needed. Those factories needed workers. A little later, as our country was facing the ravages of the Great Depression, one of the problems to solve was the number of men out of work. Since children were in the workforce, a quick fix to improving the jobless rate was to get children out of the workforce and give their jobs to the men who needed them. But where would the children go while their fathers and some of the mothers were at work in the factories? Well, they should be in school. And, the speaker explained, compulsory attendance was born. How long can we expect to keep the children in school? Well, mom will probably let them go when they're about six years old and we can expect them to stay until they want to start their own adult lives, so probably around 16 to 18. But what are we going to do with them for these 12 years? Well, we need more factory workers. So we'll educate them with all the things a good factory worker needs to know in order to be productive. And, he said, the education system's scope was born. But there are a lot of families relocating and moving west where jobs are more plentiful. What happens if the children start school in one city or state and move to another city or state? Well, we need to standardize what is taught at each grade level so that the moves are as non-disruptive to the learning process as possible. And, his lesson concluded, the education system's sequence was born. The point of this snapshot in history? The almighty scope and sequence that could get homeschool parents so worked up about a child's intelligence or ability to learn actually had very little to do with quality education, especially outside of the traditional school system. Instead, he said, we should take our cue from Michelangelo. When asked about his method of sculpting, Michelangelo referenced one of his most famous works, The Angel. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. 
That day, I came to understand the goal of homeschooling. Each of my kids was a block of marble. If I can learn to see what they are capable of becoming, then it is my job to carve until I have set them free. Scope and sequence might be a helpful guide along the way, but it was not a measuring stick of our success or my children's intelligence. No single curriculum would do the carving for me, and the same stroke would not guarantee success for all of my kids. There was such freedom in this knowledge, and that launched me into a new journey, getting to know my kids and figuring out what education really was. So, my new goal was to teach my kids how to learn, to love learning, and to work hard. If they launched as adults who were lifelong learners, they would be able to fill in any gaps they had in their education for themselves as the need surfaced. On most days, I enjoyed the freedom this newfound knowledge provided. I was free to enjoy spending time with my kids without the pressure of completing every lesson plan. I was free to deal with bad attitudes, character issues, and sibling rivalries without the unfinished workbook pages claiming educational failure. I was free to enjoy Jeff's days off in the middle of the week as quality family time without feeling like we had to do school because that's what everyone does on Tuesday mornings. And a few years later, when we knew we were going to lose my mom to breast cancer, I was free to set the school books aside for several months so that we could make the most of the time we had left. School could wait. Mom couldn't. But it was actually a conversation that I had with my mom years earlier that occasionally snuck in and replaced the freedom with fear once again. When Jeff and I were first considering homeschooling, both of our families had plenty of concerns and even more questions. Almost the entire family on Jeff's side were public school teachers, ranging from kindergarten to college. So our decision to homeschool probably seemed to come out of left field. That's certainly what I would have thought in their shoes. So we kind of assumed that my family would be easier to get on board with this strange new approach. In some ways they were, and in some ways they weren't. You see, I was basically a first-generation college graduate in my entire family, and believe me when I say it's a big family. Only one uncle and a couple of cousins had earned college degrees. I had been raised with the very clear expectation that I would earn a good scholarship and go to college. I did, and so did my brother. Naturally then, my mom's biggest question was, what about college? If you homeschool my brilliant grandchildren, will they still be able to get into a good college? That was a fair question. Again, you have to remember that this was 20 years ago when colleges were not as homeschool friendly. At that point, from what I could tell, the only way through the door was by getting a GED, a general education diploma, and then doing very well on the SAT and ACT, not to mention having a strong homeschool high school transcript and possibly portfolio. It was the most overwhelming and discouraging thought at the point we were about to launch into homeschooling our first preschooler. And because I couldn't entirely answer her question with any certainty, nor could I stomach the insulting thought that after all the brilliant education that would certainly take place in our home, 
Each of my children earning GEDs might as well be scarlet letters they were forced to sew on all their clothes. So I did what you probably would do too. I tried to distract myself with other thoughts and never really looked that question squarely in the eye. After all, college seemed like an eternity from preschool. We had time to figure it out, and I was sure we would. But this question started devouring my peace at a whole new level once I started moving further and further out of the box, out of the scope and sequence, and out of the traditional schooling format. This enormous finish line of making sure my kids would be accepted to good colleges started to speed toward me like a freight train, and I had no idea how I was going to face it. If I can't document the perfect high school transcript, how will they get into a good college? If they can't get into a good college, how will they get a good job? If they can't get a good job, how will they build a good life? If they can't build a good life, what will happen then? Will they grow up to hate me for robbing them of a decent future, a fighting chance, a happy life? Am I risking their future by changing their present? What I had no way of knowing during those early days of homeschooling is what the college landscape would look like today. Even if I had come up with a perfect plan back then, I had no guarantee that it would work 15 years later. The internet was barely a thing back then. How could I have ever predicted its impact on our lives in general and on higher education specifically? All I could do was trust that God would show me what to do and how to do it the closer we got to that point. And that's exactly what happened. The very approach that I was so worried would restrict and limit and possibly even damage my kids did the exact opposite. It broadened our possibilities. With Jonathan, we discovered how homeschooling through college could be done, even in the place of high school. With Joshua, we're learning how the apprenticeship model can effectively launch a career in the film industry. Who knows what we'll learn with Jenica and Jordan, but I'm sure it will be a perfect fit for each of them. Most importantly, I've seen what's possible once I dared to get out of the traditional education box and focus on guiding each of my kids personally through the adventure of becoming lifelong learners. Help to create this first episode was graciously provided by Laura Hobbs, Jeff and Joshua Moore, and Lydia Wong. We used original compositions throughout the show by Jeff Moore, who also helped produce the episode. Thanks, guys! Next up on Beyond Curriculum, sure, I made that courageous step as a homeschool mom and climbed out of the box, but to do that for my kids, I had to face a lot of stuff in myself first. I'm Julie Moore. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time on Beyond Curriculum.